Welcome back to another edition of On the Record, the Daily Iowans Weekly News Podcast, where we break down the paper's top headlines from the week. I'm your host and managing editor, Eleanor Hildebrandt, and I'm here with our producer, Carly Dahlberg. On this week's episode, we have two special guests. We will catch up with the Daily Iowans politics team, chatting with reporters Liam Hollowith and Emily Delgado. Whether you're in the car, at home, or in the classroom, we'd like to welcome you to this Friday, September 23rd edition of On the Record. In case you missed anything from last week, the DI's top headlines can be found on our website. This week, the Daily Iowan reported on... The University of Iowa welcomed a new University Counseling Services Director back in July. Dr. Michael Fletcher said his goal is to meet the increasing demand for student mental health services. After a year of success with Shelter House's Street Outreach and Engagement Specialist position, the Iowa City City Council extended its agreement and partnership with Shelter House for three more. Iowa City is committing over $35,000 annually to Shelter House over the next three years to help fund the position. And Johnson County parents are struggling to find accessible childcare in the area. Affordability and availability of childcare has been on the decline for years, impacting families throughout the state. You can read all these stories and more in the Daily Iowans print editions on Mondays and Wednesdays or online anytime at dailyiowan.com. First up, we have politics reporter Liam Hallowith here for his first podcast appearance on On the Record to tell us about a politics series he's embarked on regarding advocacy for Iowa's rural populations. Welcome, Liam. We're excited to have you on today. How's everything going? It's going great. Enjoying that fall weather a little bit? I am. I'm enjoying the sweater weather. (laughs) As you should. For those of you who cannot see Liam currently, he is wearing a sweater. So can you give our listeners some context about how rural populations are doing in Iowa right now and what that looks like in comparison to Iowa's total population or to its urban area specifically? Yeah, so Iowa has seen a total population increase since 2010, but it's only around 4%. But while Iowa in total has seen a population increase, Iowa's rural areas have seen a net population decrease. Iowa has about 38 counties that are classified rural Mm -hmm. from the U.S. Census Bureau, and all of them have seen a population decrease since 2010. Wow, so a little bit... A little bit of an increase overall and a, and a larger decrease when it comes to those rural communities. That's interesting. And so this is obviously of concern to the people who represent Iowans, whether they're urban, rural, or somewhere in between. So how are Democrats and Republicans discussing these losses in the rural population currently? Yeah, well, see, on the state side, there's a lot of contention around exactly what is causing this and what to do about it. Mm -hmm. So for the article, I talked to Iowa Senate Minority Leader, um, Zach Walls, a Democrat, actually from Coralville, who told me that he thinks, you know, Republicans are too busy fighting a culture war to talk about issues that are affecting rural Iowans. Mm -hmm. He specifically blamed um, income inequality on Republicans' unwillingness to work on the issue with them. Uh, where Democrats would suggest a higher minimum wage and raising taxes on those in higher tax brackets and redistributing that wealth. Republicans are against that and would rather keep the minimum wage where it is and instead cut taxes. Mm-hmm. Um, we also see that Republicans like uh, Iowa Assistant Majority Leader Bobby Kaufman, who is in the State House, said that, you know, Republicans are willing to work with Democrats on issues, but could not point me in any key directions that they would like to take this next session. And take us to a larger scale when it comes when it comes to these issues. So what have the parties actually done in the State House to potentially improve the lives of rural Iowans or to decrease that brain drain or the number of people who are leaving these areas for potentially urban areas or other states in general? 
So both parties um, supported uh, legislation in the legislative session last, mm-hmm. or this January and spring. They supported legislation that would give $100 million in grants for expanding um, high-speed internet programs in rural Iowa. They also gave grants for expanding child care, which has been a big issue for a lot of Iowans, especially in rural areas. Assistant Majority Leader Bobby Kaufman also said that Republicans are open to working on the issue with Democrats, but again, couldn't point me in a specific direction that he would like to go. But we also saw some bipartisan legislation on um, reauthorizing funds for recreation and outdoor development as well in the last session. Yeah, for sure. I remember that infrastructure bill regarding broadband. It was, a, it was a pretty big deal. And another part of the story that you examined was the economic situation in Iowa, whether that comes to rural areas or urban areas. And you mentioned Senator Zach Walls had commented on it in your piece. So how are the economic realities of the state looking when it comes to income and how that's kind of distributed across Iowa? Definitely, yeah. So Walls told me that income inequality is a big reason why so many people are leaving rural areas Mm -hmm. because of the lack of quality and living wages. So according to the Economic Policy Institute, the bottom 20% of Iowa households actually saw a decrease of 6.1% in their wages over the last decade, Mm -hmm. while the richest 20% saw their wages increase by 8.5%. Interesting. So along with that, Iowa still has a minimum wage of about seven twenty-five an hour, which when calculated at 40 hours a week for a whole year without any vacation or anything, you'd get about $15,000 a year before taxes. However, that doesn't uh, represent a majority of the population. A majority of the population does have a wage a little bit higher than that because Iowa's average yearly pay is about $52,000 a year, which is on par with the national average. Mm-hmm. And the median yearly pay is actually $39,000 a year, which is slightly above natural national average, which is about $34,000 a year. And I know some communities like Johnson County, for example, while they can't change the minimum wage in their areas due to Iowa law, they do attempt to. They try and get people to get that minimum wage up to like, I think it's $10 in some sense in Johnson County. So it's always interesting to see that conversation. Maybe we'll see it this year. You'll never know. And as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, this is a series. Mm -hmm. There's more to it than just our local politics in the state. So where are you going from here? What can we expect next from this deep dive? Next, I have a piece coming out about what federal legislators are doing about Mm -hmm. this issue. Um, I was able to talk with uh, Iowa's second congressional district's um, representative, uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks, and her opponent, Christina Bohannon, both of which uh, supported helping rural Iowans through um, giving federal money for things like hospital access, economic improvement, and things along those lines. However, Bohannon did say that Miller-Meeks voted against a lot of key legislation that would improve things for Iowans, like the Infrastructure Act that passed the U.S. House and Senate last year and was signed by President Biden, Mm -hmm. which she did vote against. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're seeing a little bit of contention in the federal houses as well. And then in the U.S. Senate race, which is very contentious between Chuck Grassley and Mm -hmm. Mike Franken, we're also seeing a little bit of discourse about what they would like to see done for Iowans. Yeah, well, I look forward to reading it. I believe it will be on our Monday print edition, so people can pick that up or check it out online on Monday. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today for the first time, Liam, and sharing your story with us. We hope to have you back sometime soon. Hope to be back soon. Some breaking news hit Iowa's U.S. Senate race this week when documents came to light accusing the Democratic candidate for the seat, Mike Franken, of assault back in April. Politics reporter Emily Delgado helped the DI report on the accusations this week. Welcome back, Emily. We're excited to have you for the first time this semester. How is everything going? 
everything's going so well. Fall is fall is among us, and I'm really happy about that. Yes, we're recording this on Thursday, September 22nd, which is the first day of fall, which is very exciting. We finally yeah. we finally got out of that heat wave. But yeah, so can you start by giving our listeners some context about who Mike Franken is and where the state currently is when it comes to the U.S. Senate race? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So as you mentioned before, Mike Franken is the Democratic candidate who is vying to take Senator Chuck Grassley's seat in the Senate right now. And he won the primary against Abby Finkenauer back in June. So Mike Franken has been campaigning hard against um, Senator Chuck Grassley. They've both been sending back and forth messages on Twitter, having campaign ads really target the other. So that's where the U.S. Senate is right now, the Senate race in Iowa. And then the midterm is a couple, it's a couple of days. It's, it's, in, it's in November. We're still a bit far out, but it's fastly approaching us yeah we've got we've got about a month or so a month and two weeks about i believe but it is now officially too late for mike franken to get his name off the ballot and the democrats to put up a new candidate so he is the democratic candidate for this election and now we have these allegations that have come to light as of tuesday Tuesday morning when we first started reporting on it. So what exactly is Franken being accused of? By whom? And where do these allegations stand when it comes to the police involvement or or law enforcement in general? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So these um, allegations came out on Tuesday, like you said, Eleanor, and it was first reported by the Iowa Field Report. And basically, we got a hold of the police report from the Des Moines Police Department and his former campaign manager, Kimberly Strobagas. She um, filed a report alleging um, Mike Franken forcibly kissed her during a meeting in March. And when this assault occurred, Kimberly was no longer working for the campaign. She was fired from the campaign and she then reported the assault a month after the assault occurred. The assault occurred in March and she reported the, the assault in April. Yeah, and another piece of the story, obviously, is that there is political discourse now surrounding the issues surrounding these allegations. So how are other Iowa representatives and senators commenting on these accusations now that there's more information out about them? So all the attention went over to Grassley to see how he was going to respond to the allegations, and Grassley said that he was not going to address them in any way. He was not going to use them in his campaign towards Mike Franken. And obviously, there's a lot of women who are running in races this midterm season, so they all took to Twitter saying that... Iowans deserve transparency and need to know if Mike Franken actually did this and if he's going to apologize for this for this assault allegation. And Mike Franken obviously has to react to this. He has to to send out some statements. So what has his been his campaign been saying recently? His campaign been saying that these allegations are false, that he had no part in these allegations, that his former campaign manager the allegations she filed against him were false, and that he was not going to respond to them. Yeah, and in case people haven't read the story, another factor of this is in the initial police report that has now been circulating in in news circles is that the police did look at these claims and have now closed the case and say that they were unfounded. So no charges have been filed. The case is done and and over. But one last factor of this is former campaign manager Kimberly Strope Bugis said in the report to the police that she signed a non-disclosure agreement or some form of NDA with the Franken campaign when she she was terminated when when her contract as campaign manager was over. So what are Grassley and Franken's campaigns saying about that factor of this where the person who who is accusing Franken cannot necessarily speak on the issue? So um, Grassley issued a statement saying that the Franken campaign has to release the former campaign manager from the NDA after these allegations surfaced to make sure she can tell the full story and not get in trouble by, by the campaign, of course. And obviously that's the Senator Chuck Grassley side. So what has Franken's campaign come out and said about that? Is there a non-disclosure agreement from their perspective? The campaign man- the current campaign manager uh, released a statement on Wednesday saying that no agreement exists that prevents the employee, Kimberly, to speak anything about, about the issue. 
Well, I guess the story will just continue to develop as we learn more about NDAs and more about all the all the different players and prepare for the November election. But thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Emily, and sharing this story with us. Of course. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening. Follow The Daily Iowan on social media and check our website for breaking news updates and the latest campus and Iowa City related news. We'll see you next week for a new edition of On the Record.